0: Hello everyone. It's May 30th, and this is the 150th day of this year's one-year Bible Tour Guide podcast. My name is David McAdam, and confess that it's a joy to be reading the word of God in the company of friends who've joined us on this journey. We have come far and taken in the overarching theme as we have traveled from seeing the blueprint of the kingdom of God in the garden in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. To meeting the king of kings in the new testament the one who is born king in matthew chapter 2 verse 2 and in our reading from the gospel of john is both the king of the jews and the great i am consider what we've seen already we've gone from the creation in genesis chapter 1 the blueprint for the kingdom in genesis chapter 2 the tragic fall and disruption incurred by human disobedience and the promise of a redeemer in genesis chapter 3 we have seen how God acts upon His promise and progressively reveals in prophetic shadows the centerpiece of human history, in which He sends forth His Son to be this world's Redeemer. He will be the promised seed of the woman in Genesis 3:15, the seed of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He will be the one to whom the scepter of righteousness belongs in Genesis 49:10. He will be the greater and truer Passover Lamb in Exodus chapter 12, the perfect priest and atoning sacrifice. In the book of Leviticus, he's the prophesied star out of Jacob in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, the prophet like unto Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. He's the captain of the Lord's hosts in the book of Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. He's the angel of the Lord whose name is wonderful in Judges chapter 13, verse 18. He is the descendant of the kinsman redeemer Boaz in the book of Ruth and will prove to be a greater and truer one. And in the books we are now reading, The books of first and second samuel he is the prophesied son of david who will be like david a man of sorrows despised and rejected though anointed as king and he will be enthroned in a kingdom of which there will be no end yes we've seen a lot many clear foreshadowings of the promised messiah in the first ten books of the old testament and now in the new testament we are in the fourth gospel the gospel according to john where we behold the substance of the promise the person of jesus of nazareth God incarnate, the Word made flesh, and today we see Him submitting to the Father's plan of redemption, where He is our Passover Lamb and is led like a sheep to the slaughter, to pay the full price of our redemption. Yesterday we read of two events that stunningly paralleled each other, separated by a thousand years. David was betrayed by his beloved Absalom. Jesus is betrayed by his disciple Judas. David crosses the Kidron Brook outside the walls of Jerusalem. And Jesus does the same, where he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, the olive press of his agony. There Jesus is arrested. Before we pick up his story, let's go first to the Old Testament passage where David's rule is being rejected by a usurper who is having his day, Absalom. Our first reading is from 2 Samuel, chapter 15, and we're picking up on verse 23. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And all the land wept aloud, as all the people passed by, and the king crossed the brook Kidron, and all the people passed on toward the wilderness. And Abiathar came up, and behold, Zadok came also with all the Levites, bearing the ark of the covenant of God; and they set down the ark of God until the people had all passed out of the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and let me see both it and his dwelling place. But if he says, I have no pleasure in you, behold, here I am. Let him do to me what seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Go back to the city of peace with your two sons, Ahimaaz your son and Jonathan the son of Abiathar. See, I will wait at the fords of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. So Zadok and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. But David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, barefoot and with his head covered. And all the people who were with him covered their heads, and they went up weeping as they went. And as it was told David, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. While David was coming to the summit, where God was worshipped, behold, Hushai the Archite came to meet him with his coat torn and dirt on his head. David said to him, If you go on with me, you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I have been your father's servant in time past, so now I will be your servant. Then you will defeat for me the counsel of Ahithophel. Are not Zadok and Abiathar the priests with you there? So whatever you hear from the king's house, tell it to Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Behold, their two sons are with them there, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son, and by them you shall send to me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city just as Absalom was entering Jerusalem. Chapter sixteen. When David had passed a little beyond the summit, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him, with a couple of donkeys saddled, bearing two hundred loaves of bread, a hundred bunches of raisins, a hundred of summer fruits, and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, Why have you brought these? Ziba answered, The donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who faint in the wilderness to drink. And the king said, and where is your master's son? Ziba said to the king, Behold, he remains in Jerusalem. For he said, Today the house of Israel will give me back the kingdom of my father. Then the king said to Ziba, Behold, all that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. And Ziba said, I pay homage. Let me ever find favor in your sight, my lord the king. When king David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. And as he came, he cursed continually, and he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood." Then Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjaminite? Leave him alone and let him curse for the lord has told him to it may be that the lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the lord will repay me with good for his cursing today so david and his men went on the road while shimei went along on the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and flung dust and the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the jordan and there he refreshed himself now absalom and all the people the men of israel came to jerusalem and Ahithophel with him. And when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, Hushai said to Absalom, "Long live the king, long live the king." And Absalom said to Hushai, "Is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, "No, for whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel have chosen, his I will be, and with him I will remain. And again, whom should I serve? Should it not be his son? As I have served your father, so I will serve you. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give your counsel. What shall we do? Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you have made yourself a stench to your father, and the hands of all who are with you will be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now in those days, the counsel that Ahithophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel esteemed, both by David and by Absalom. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament passage from 2 Samuel. And now let's take a few moments to reflect upon these dramatic events. David is forced to leave the city of David. As he crosses the Kidron, the brook that marks Jerusalem's eastern edge, the whole countryside weeps. The Kidron Valley is just outside the eastern gate of the city and at the foot of the Mount of Olives. With them was the Ark of the Covenant, representing God's presence. It was carried by the Levites according to the commandment given to Moses. The Ark stood still, and Abiathar offered sacrifices while the people crossed the river on their exit. It reminds us of the Ark stationed in the midst of the Jordan River when the people of Israel first crossed into the Promised Land under Joshua's leadership. Once the people had passed, David tells Zadok, the priest, to take the ark back into the city. He would not presume that he was right to take it with him, though he knew that he had been Israel's rightful king. The king said to Zadok, Return the ark of God to the city. If I find favor in the sight of the Lord, then he will bring me back again and show me both it and its habitation. But if he should say thus, I have no delight in you, behold, here I am. Let him do to me as seems good to him. Second Samuel chapter fifteen, verses twenty five and twenty six. David, in the midst of this sad situation, puts his confidence in the goodness of God. This is the distinguishing mark of a man of faith. He trusts God's self revelation in the Word. David is facing adversity. His own son has risen up against him, stolen the hearts of God's people, and usurped David's right to rule as God's anointed king. Yet David does not cast away his confidence in God's character and his faithfulness to his word. God was at work shaping David's heart. David would continue to recognize God's worthy character and respond accordingly, no matter what the circumstances. He rests in God's goodness and trusts in his promises. This is what it means to have a heart after God. David is abandoning his future to God. He is putting his situation in God's hands knowing that god will fulfill his good purposes no matter the circumstance no matter the human decisions and motives he orders the official levitical supervisors zadok and abiathar to return with the ark to jerusalem and stay there for according to the word of god that is where the purpose and promises of god will be fulfilled the lord is the true king of israel and although david had lost his throne god had not lost his so the true king remains in jerusalem symbolized by the Ark of the Covenant, while David leaves, once again, a refugee. David and the people are not behaving stoically, gritting their teeth and holding back their tears. They are weeping because of this tragic turn of events. Absalom had conspired to take the throne away from his father and set himself up as king instead. David sends his friend Hushai back to Jerusalem to serve Absalom and frustrate the council of Ahithophel, David's former adviser, who had recently joined Absalom's conspiracy. Ziba arrives with supplies from David's entourage fleeing the city. He reports that his master, Mephibosheth, is rejoicing at the prospect of the kingdom returning to the house of Saul and siding with Absalom. David, thinking Ziba's report is true, grants all of Mephibosheth's possessions to Ziba. Another member of Saul's family appears as David moves further away from Jerusalem to Bahurim. It is Shimei. And he curses David and pelts him with stones. He is David's accuser, saying, Get out, get out, you man of bloodshed and worthless fellow. The Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. And behold, you are taken in your own evil, for you are a man of bloodshed. 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. Abishai wants to kill Shemai for his behavior. David restrains him, recognizing that God is in control, and the Lord is allowing Shemai's cursing. When Absalom arrives in Jerusalem, he asks his counselor Ahithophel for political advice. God answers David's prayers to confound Ahithophel's counsel and make it appear foolish, 2 Samuel chapter 15 verse 31. This incident also fulfills Nathan's prophecy that because of David's sin, another man would sleep with his wives and concubines. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. Ahithophel suggests that Absalom start with a provocative demonstration of his disrespect for all David stood for by setting up a tent on the roof of the king's palace where he can lay with his father's concubines. This would be a clear political signal. It was a custom among the nations that the king's harem would be passed on to his successor. Therefore, this would be a public demonstration that David's reign had come to an end. Absalom was laying claim to the throne. Now let's read from the New Testament, the Gospel according to John, chapter 18, verses 25 through chapter 19, verse 22. You will remember that Jesus has been arrested in the garden and brought to an illegal trial in the middle of the night. Peter and John are in the courtyard outdoors. John 18, verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said i am not one of the servants of the high priest a relative of the man whose ear peter had cut off asked did i not see you in the garden with him peter again denied it and at once a rooster crowed then they led jesus from the house of caiaphas to the governor's headquarters it was early morning they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the passover So Pilate went outside to them, and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves, and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again, and called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So, you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover so do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Chapter 19 Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, king of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See? We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all, unless it had been given you from above. Therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, gabbatha now it was the day of preparation of the passover it was about the sixth hour he said to the jews behold your king they cried out away with him away with him crucify him pilate said to them shall i crucify your king the chief priests answered we have no king but caesar so he delivered him over to them to be crucified so they took jesus and he went out bearing his own cross and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament, the gospel according to John. And now for a quick recap and reflection. Peter warms himself by the fire while people ask if he was one of Jesus's disciples. Peter denies this, a relative of Malchus, the temple guard member, whose ear was cut off by Peter, asks, Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove, that is, Gethsemane? Peter once again denied knowing Jesus. Then the rooster began to crow, as Jesus had predicted. After his first hearing before Annas, Jesus is taken to appear before Caiaphas, in John chapter 18, verse 24. John passes over the details which are provided in the Synoptic Gospels. Luke records that this next hearing is at daybreak. He also records Jesus' bold claim before Caiaphas. In Luke chapter 22, verse 70, And they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, Yes, I am. Jesus is then taken to Pilate. The Jewish leaders would not enter Pilate's palace because they did not want to be ceremonially unclean. In John chapter 18, verse 28, they wanted to partake of the Passover at sundown. According to the ceremonial law, it was important to put away all leaven. They did not realize that the uncleanness, the leaven, was in their own hearts and that the Passover lamb, God's ordained means of putting away sin, was standing right before them. The Jewish leaders want Jesus executed, and because they wanted him dead, they were insistent that Jesus be tried by one who had the authority to sentence Jesus to death, Pontius Pilate, the Roman procurator. Only the Romans have the legal right to execute capital punishment. John acknowledges God's hand in this, as the prophets spoke of the Messiah's death being by crucifixion and not by stoning, the penalty for blasphemy according to the law of Moses. John notes that this would occur as Jesus had predicted. Jesus was going to be crucified. Matthew chapter 16 verse 21, chapter 20 verse 19, chapter 26 verse 2. Mark chapter 8, verse 31, chapter 9, verse 31, and Luke chapter 9, verse 22. Pilate interrogates Jesus, but it is Jesus who is in control of the interview. He is making it plain to Pilate that he represents a kingdom with sovereignty greater than that of Rome, a jurisdiction far more reaching than those of this world. Verse 37 is so telling. Therefore Pilate said to him, So, you are a king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate asks, What is truth? As truth stares him in the face. John 18, verse 38 Pilate can find no fault in Jesus. In John 18, verse 38 He repeats this in John chapter 19, verse 4, and again in John chapter 19, verse 6. Luke records Pilate saying this in Luke chapter 23 verse 4 and verse 14 and 22. In the book of Acts, we learn that the religious leaders who wanted him dead could find no guilt in him, Acts chapter 13 verse 28. The verdict that no fault or guilt is found in Jesus is recorded seven times. Matthew adds that Pilate's wife had a disturbing dream, warning her husband to have nothing to do with this righteous man, in Matthew chapter 27 verse 19. Pilate seeks a way of escape. Luke records that Pilate learns that Herod is in town, and because Herod has authority over the Galilean province, and Jesus was a Galilean, he sent Jesus to be tried by Herod. Herod hopes that Jesus would entertain him with a sign. Jesus does not comply, nor does he respond to Herod's interrogation. He is silent, like a sheep prepared for slaughter. Herod's soldiers treat Jesus with contempt and mock his claim as king of the Jews by dressing him in robes and sending him back to Pilate, Luke chapter 23 verses six through twelve. From that point on, Pilate and Herod, who had been enemies, become friends, united in their darkness. Pilate tries to set Jesus free. He leans on a Jewish tradition of releasing a prisoner at the Passover, as it was the day of preparation. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. John 18, verse 39 and 40. The people chose to release and exonerate one who was known for rebellion against authority. They condemn and call for the crucifixion of the only one who was the perfect subject to God's authority. Jesus is flogged, mocked and crowned with thorns like the annas court officials they once again slap god in the face john chapter 18 verse 22 and chapter 19 verse 3. wearing the crown of thorns given by pilate's soldiers and purple robes given by herod's men pilate presents jesus to the jews saying behold the man in latin ecce homo pilate becomes more fearful as the chief priests and officials Press him to crucify Jesus because Jesus claims to be the Son of God. John chapter 19, verse 7. Pilate is desperate. He interviews Jesus once again. He asks where Jesus is really from. So Pilate said to him, You do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. John chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. Pilate continues to try to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders will not have it. They betray their own faith by saying, We have no king but Caesar. John chapter 19, verse 15. Finally, Pilate hands Jesus over to be crucified. The soldiers take charge of the execution process. Jesus carries the patibulum, the heavy wooden crossbeam that he would be nailed to once he had reached the place of the skull, Golgotha. Jesus being crucified on the place of the skull is a prophetic picture of the promised seed of the woman crushing the head of the serpent, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. There, Jesus is identified with the transgressors, fulfilling the prophecies of the suffering servant in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12. He is crucified with two others, one on each side. Above each victim of the crucifixion is a placard with the name of their crime written, Above Jesus, Pilate places the notice of his crime, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. The religious authorities protest. It should read, he claimed to be the King of the Jews. Pilate replies, what I have written, I have written. Now let's go to the Bible's songbook, the Book of Psalms. We are in the midst of the magnificent Psalm 119, the longest chapter and the longest psalm in the Bible. We begin with verse 113 and we read through verse 128. Remember, we are reading through 22 sections with 8 verses in each section, all beginning with the same letter. We are starting a new section of 8 verses with each verse beginning with the letter Samek. Psalm 119, verse 113. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evil doers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up, that I may be safe, and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross, therefore I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. And now for the next section of eight verses, all beginning with the Hebrew letter Ayin. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. The psalmist's love for the word changes his regard for the flimsy convictions of men. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Psalm 119, verse 113. In order to develop his love life, he must also develop his hate life. He must shun the influence of the evildoer if he is to keep God's commands. He calls upon the Word of God to sustain him, in verse 116, to uphold him, in verse 117. His high regard for the Word inspires worship in which he stands in awe of God. In the next section of eight verses, all beginning with the letter Ayin, we find a great prayer request. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. Psalm 119, verse He makes his appeal to God to show him mercy on the basis of the promises in the written word, as he is tormented by his oppressors. He also makes his appeal for God to act, that he might vindicate his righteousness. This reminds us of the heightened moral sensibility that comes with the knowledge of God's word, and also a heightened sense of our need for mercy. This brings to mind an important verse in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 2. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. The finished work of Christ is an answer to that prayer. In wrath, remember mercy. Now we go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. An oracle is on the lips of a king. His mouth does not sin in judgment. A just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are His work. Proverbs 16, verse 10 starts a series of five Proverbs, stretching from verses 10 to 15, pertaining to kings. They highlight the responsibilities given to those who are put in positions of leadership. And if we are to fulfill our calling to be signposts to Jesus, leading people in the right direction, it is important that we... Speak righteously, that we measure things accurately, and that we are just in all of our dealings. Let's pray together. Lord, give us an understanding of your testimonies. Help us by your Holy Spirit to learn what you want to teach us through your word. We are grateful for the display of your mercy and grace in the obedience of your Son. We marvel at his humility as he is led like a lamb to the slaughter and is silent like a sheep before its shearers. We shudder at our own depravity that would choose to free the rebellious outlaw and crucify the sinless Savior. Thank you for opening the floodgates of mercy at Calvary, where we receive your pardon and our guilt is removed as far as the east is from the west. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and make us loyal subjects and bold witnesses to your kingdom authority. In Jesus' name, Amen. While we have been given much to think about in today's Bible Readings, And we hope that you can join us tomorrow as we continue our journey through the scriptures. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, you can go to our website, newlife.org, or to our auxiliary ministry, newlifefinearts.org. God bless you. And my prayer is that his word will dwell richly in you.